the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, family. Ron Geyer with End Time Insights, returning on the subject of dangerous people. And of course, these people are in the church, which makes them doubly dangerous. You know, it's my opinion, based on what I see, based on what I hear, that the majority of believers are ill-prepared for what is ahead for us in America. It's my belief we are not prepared for not only the onslaught of evil and persecution, which is coming our way, deception, trickery, deceit within the church, but we're not prepared to meet the Lord in the air, which is called the rapture of the church. And we really need to check ourselves out. There's suffering ahead for us. There's been false teaching that we're not going to suffer, that we're not going to be persecuted. And I get that a little bit because we've never been that way before, but this is not your granddad's America. This is a new socialist nation now where the church is persecuted, where the gospel is frowned upon, where lies and deceit are everywhere. We have given control of our medical uh, community over to the World Health Organization. Danger, danger, danger. They can shut us down anytime they want. We've got socialists heading up our government. We've got deceivers in our pulpit, demons actually standing in our pulpits, teaching, the Bible calls it, doctrines of demons. That's why we're talking about dangerous men, dangerous people. They are everywhere, and they're doubly dangerous when they're in the church. And I just want to show you, I'm going to show you how we got there, but I want to also, we left here uh, last week on Matthew 16:23, where Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan. Remember Matthew 16:23, But Jesus turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, for you are an offense unto me. You are a stumbling block to me, the Amplified says. Because you savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Amplified says, get thee behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And it's important that we know there's many lessons there and to see why Jesus was able to identify Peter as Satan, as being deceived. He gave us the root problem that Peter was carnal, right? It's important to note how Satan had managed to control Peter. Because Peter was minding the things of men rather than minding the spiritual things of God. And we see this every day in our churches, in our Christianity. You know, I'm personally, I said this last week, I'm not good at picking up evil in people. But if I'm listening to doctrines, I can tell what's true and I can tell what's false quite easily. We are supposed to know the word of God so that we can tell the difference between a saint standing in our pulpit and when there's a demon or a false teacher teaching hypocrisy, teaching deception, teaching uh, blasphemy from the pulpits. So we're going to go back to the beginning of the church in Paul's day, and we're going to see where we got all this stuff from, how we got to this place 
of their great apostasy where there is danger at every corner in pretty much every sermon. You've got to be so wise, so careful. You know, if Satan could deceive Peter, then guess what, saints? He can deceive you. Notice, and it was because Peter was carnal. And I know you're carnal. We live in a carnal society. We live in America where seeing the Holy Spirit in the lives of Christians is the exception rather than the rule. Also notice, though, that Jesus saw through it immediately. He didn't yell at Peter. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. He saw there was a demon speaking through Peter, and he saw through it immediately. Notice also, very important, Jesus wasn't concerned whether he offended Peter or not. We are. We don't want to offend anybody in this society of you're fine, I'm fine, everybody's fine, no problem, let's go party. And that mindset that's even within the church, we need to start speaking strongly concerning demons. We need to start speaking strongly concerning error. Uh, I read it this morning in one of my Facebook posts talking about, it was in Timothy, it was preached the word, and then it broke it down, and it talked about the fact that uh, there's no urgency in the lives of the believers. Don't we really care about the lost? Don't we really care about defending those who are in our sphere of influence from being deceived? Don't we have a heart for that? Well, the Bible talks about you must speak the word of God. You must speak the truth because there are dangerous men in the church and they are after your soul. You have nothing more important in this earth to do, guys. Not make money, not love your wives, not raise your family. More important than that, you've got nothing else to do that trumps the importance of you guarding your soul. I'm going to give you a verse from Acts chapter 20. I want to get to verses 29 and 30 where Paul speaks to these guys one-on-one, face-to-face about the deception. But I want to give you verses 18 and 20 first, 18, 19, and 20. Acts 20, verses 18, 19, and 20. For you yourselves know, he's speaking to the leaders around the area of Ephesus, right? He's called them together. He's about to go home to be with the Lord, and he's talking to them, man-to-man, face-to-face, leader-to-leader, and he's giving them this word. You yourselves know, guys, from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time. And I was serving the Lord with all humility, what a key, and with tears and trials, another key, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was beneficial to you and teaching you publicly from house to house. There's two main points here I want you to see. Number one, Paul, he served the Lord with all humility. And I'm thinking about where I came from, the Word of Faith movement, and I'm thinking that uh, there's no humility in these guys. They're arrogant, as it were. Uh, I see no lowliness. Uh, I see how they exalt themselves above the uh, people that they're preaching to. I see it by their lust and their covetousness that you're way down on their list of priorities, guys. And if you listen to them, it comes across. They are full of pride. Paul, I serve the Lord not with a little bit of humility, not with some, but with all humility. He was as humble as he was allowed to be. That was Paul. He not only served the Lord. See, he sees serving people as serving the Lord. I'm not sure that our leaders see serving us as serving the Lord. I believe they're serving themselves. You know, the doctrine now that's out there that God is not sovereign in the earth today because he's given authority to man. Therefore, God can do nothing on the earth unless he first partners with man. 
I mean, that's ridiculous. And basically, the sovereignty that belongs to the Lord, man is stealing. He is trying to pass that off, that man is sovereign, self is sovereign. And we see that man is lovers of themselves. We can have what we say. Therefore, whatever we decree, this decreeing stuff is garbage. Whatever we decree will come to pass. That is so false. It's the word of God and the word of God only. And you pray and you ask God if and when you are to be making declarations. We're making declarations to serve ourselves, to promote ourselves, to satisfy our lusts. Anyway, Paul, I serve the Lord with all humility and with tears and trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Remember, the Judaizers, they were taking the Christians, and especially in Galatia, and and sure, of course, in uh, other parts, other regions, Ephesus, all the churches in Asia Minor. And they were telling them that, okay, Christ, that's fine, we'll give you Jesus, but you have to add the law to make your salvation complete. And so that was the doctrine of the Judaizers, and they were winning in some cases. And so Paul is talking about he was being persecuted by them. And it led to tears and trials which came upon him through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was beneficial. It didn't slow him down. It didn't stop him. That's the second point here. He did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was beneficial. And he was teaching publicly from house to house. So the two main points there, Paul serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials is the first. The true servant of God will serve the Lord in the same manner. All humility, not a show of humility, which is false, but with all humility. And what does all humility look like? It looks like Paul. That humility kept Paul broken. That humility led him to endure the trials and kept him in a constant state of tears. Tears of pain and tears of anguish. Anguish not for himself. He was dead to himself. He had won that battle. It was tears and anguish for what the Jews were doing to the Jews who were now Christians. They were causing hardship. They were causing anguish for the souls that his own people, the Jews, were causing to the people who had come to Christ. But for the purpose of Christ and the people of Christ, that was the reason for Paul's tears. That was the reason for his anguish. Nevertheless, the persecution did not keep Paul from speaking the truth. And that's the second point. No matter what comes speak the truth. If it was beneficial for others, he was going to tell them. We don't do that now because it's not beneficial for us. Government comes, says, close your church. Well, that's not beneficial to us. Therefore, I'm going to close my church. And that just reveals the carnality of the people in our pulpits, that there's really the spirit of man, which is being exalted in our local churches, not the spirit of the Holy Ghost, not the spirit of God. So here's what Paul is going to tell the leaders at the church in Ephesus, Acts 20. 29 through 30. And he's telling them to their face, for I know this. Paul knows this. He knows this not through his mind, but he knows it through the spirit of God. I know this, that after my departing, after I die, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, the flock of the people that Paul has been teaching, the church that Paul had built. And so he says, I know this, that after my departing, the wolves, grievous wolves will enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, Of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. I love Paul. Basically, he's telling them, hey, you guys, there's going to be some wolves amongst you guys. Be careful. And they're going to take some of you. They're going to win some of you. Some of you are those wolves that I'm talking about. (laughs) I mean, Paul didn't fool around. He told them face to face. And why did he do that? Because he was not going to shrink from declaring to you anything that was beneficial. 
it was beneficial to these leaders that they would know that there would be wolves among them. There would be wolves from them also. And Paul just told them straight out. Paul's dedication to the gospel and its truths, G-R-U-T-H-S, was fueled by a fear and a concern that after he left, leaders in the church would contradict Paul's teaching. Remember, perverse teachings. These are things that contradicted what Paul taught. He was concerned that after he left that the leaders in the church would contradict Paul's teaching in an effort to create their own following. Paul likened these dangerous men to grievous wolves, showing no mercy to the people of God. That was the concern of Paul. But Paul told him the truth. These were dangerous people. Look at Paul's language. Understand his certainty. I know this. Paul didn't fool around. He told them to their faces, some of you would draw a man away. Away from what? Away from the truths of the gospel that I spoke by speaking things that were perverse. Draw a man away from what? The easy to read version. Also, men from your own group will begin to teach things that are wrong. They will lead some of the Lord's followers away from the truth to follow them. They will lead some of the Lord's followers away from the Lord. Remember, if you deny truth, you deny Jesus. You got that? If you reject truth, you reject Jesus. You've got to understand that. There's different ways we deny Jesus, and one of those is by falling for false teaching. So... You got demons in pulpits today, guys. You've got leaders speaking perverse things like in Paul's day. You've got deluding and seducing spirits like Paul told Timothy in men and they're on the loose. This is the environment that Paul taught that you and me would be living in. Notice the results that happen when this goes on. First Timothy four one, some will turn away from the faith. Ooh, the faith in God through Jesus Christ. Some will turn away from that because of the false doctrine, the perverse teachings, the demons in pulpits. That will cost some their salvation. They will turn away from God. And in Acts 20, that teaching will not spare the flock. Your prime targets, guys, for the devil. Your prime targets. Don't forget Jesus, God, right? And the devil. They want the same thing. What is the prize? The prize is your soul. Both God and Satan are after them. Both have anointed people to get them, to keep them, to save them, to win them. But it's only truth that is going to shine the light upon the darkness that will be your greatest threat to keeping your souls. First Timothy 4.1, some will turn away from the faith. That's not a guess. That's not a prediction. That's a prophecy. This is a Holy Spirit prophetic utterance. We will lose some. It's my opinion. We're going to lose more than we keep. Why? Because in our time, men will be dangerous. Why? Well, you go back to Second Timothy 3, and it tells you why. Because men will be lovers of themselves. Mankind will not be satisfied with God. Greedy hearts, itching ears, eyes full of lust. This is what makes men dangerous to us in the church. Carnal leaders, demons and pulpits. It all goes towards threatening the souls of mankind. Dangerous times indeed, fueled by dangerous men, and there's still more danger ahead, other forms of danger that are less insidious, but no less dangerous. Dave Gusick has an enduring word commentary, does a good job. He writes, because of the danger of the latter times, if Timothy were to remain a faithful minister to God's people, I like that, faithful minister to God's people, faithful how? teaching them the word, ministering God's truth. If he were to remain a faithful minister to God's people, he must keep a dead reckoning on the truth, on the faith. If this were lost, 
Not much else really mattered, guys. The only safety available to men at this time, and it doesn't matter what kind of men they are, whether they're church men, whether they're religious men, whether they're pagan men, whether they're saved, this danger will not be selective. It will be worldwide. The only place of safety will be found in Christ. And the chief place where Christ will be found will be in his word. The church will need to saturate itself in the word of God. This is why the Bible is under such assault. In Canada, it's outlawed just about. You can get arrested for teaching the Bible. Well, it's happening. Here we are in America. And there's no coincidence. You know, the greatest selling book of all time is what? The Bible. It will always be the Bible because that's God's plan. That's God's protection on the word of God. So he puts it out there. He protects it. He keeps it in circulation. Why? So that we would read it, guys. You must read your Bible. If you are not reading your Bible, you are not knowing God. If you don't love reading the word of God, then you don't love the Messiah. They go hand in hand. Remember, in the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Say, well, who is that? What is that? Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, among men. Jesus, Jesus is the word of God. If you don't love the word of God, you don't love Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with the word of God, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You should be hungering and thirsting for the word of God. What did the Baptist had it for? Was it the no Bible, no breakfast? What a great, simple little thing to keep you. You read your Bible before you eat your breakfast. John fifteen seven. If you abide in me, if you live in me and my words live in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. There's a promise from the Lord Jesus Christ. It goes hand in hand once again with the word of God. If you live in me and my words live in you. Well, I live in Christ. I'm born again. I'm saved. So I live in God. And the way I protect my soul in that relationship is I let the word of God live in me. I think if you listen to me, you know that the word of God is alive in me. It's not hiding dead in a corner. I haven't memorized the verse in my head and that's it. I quote scripture, not because I tried to memorize them, but because I know them. I only tried to remember one verse, Isaiah 58, the verse about fasting, and I struggled, and I still don't have it down. God talks about fasting. Is this the fast that I've chosen, saith the Lord, right? To loose the bands of unwickedness, of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you be a minister to your family, that you provide shelter to the poor that's been cast out. I'm getting close to memorizing it now, but the other ones I know, because I've read my Bible, I study my Bible, I love my Bible. And so his word is alive in me. It should be alive in you. And the promise is just secondary. I don't need that, okay? But Jesus said, if you would live in me and let my word live in you, you would ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Well, that's great. But I don't even need that promise. I love the word of God. My fellowship with the word of God holds me, okay? It's a bonus that there's a promise that what? I can ask what I will and it shall be done unto me. God's going to trust his kingdom with my will if Two things, I live in Christ and Christ lives in me through the word of God. Then he says, I'm going to trust you on and whatever you ask, it shall be done unto you because he knows I'm praying the will of God. I'd like to think that I have no will. You know, when I'm praying now, I'm very careful about telling God what to do, right? So you've got to find this place called Christ and then you must enter in and you must live in this place called Christ. Many of us have already found it. Very, very few of us really ever live there. Okay, I'm not great. I'm not exalting myself. That's not what I'm doing. It's it's become easy for me to love the Word of God, to read my Bible. 
a former leader that I used to follow talked about the fact that first you read the Bible for duty. Yes, because you have to. Then you read it out of love if you start building a relationship with the word. Hallelujah. But very few of us ever really live there. We make the religious overtones as we respond to man's version of what? An altar call. But the Lord knows them that are truly his. It's why we are subject to the danger that Paul is writing about. It's why we lose so many. It's why the church isn't spared. It's why we have such little power as a church because we're not living in Christ. We haven't moved in. We're just visiting. And when the gospel is changed or altered, when truth is compromised, when the government threatens, we go with the crowd, which usually means we follow the false. We fall for the lies and we choose man over Messiah. So going back to Acts twenty twenty nine and 30, we see that Paul knew that after he left, the wolves would enter in, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. This was the starting point for evil in the church, and it occurred in Paul's day. Paul saw it coming. These false leaders, you will be wolves. Yes, of your own selves, you will be seducers. And he also warns Timothy that once these guys got in, they will only get worse, right? Second Timothy three thirteen. But evil men and seducers, impostors, shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So they're going to get in, and then they're only going to get worse. These men will find new ways to deceive and fleece the sheep. Remember, they are marked by covetousness and greed. I love the phrase the King James uses, these men shall wax worse and worse. And immediately what came to my mind growing up in the 60s near Jones Beach in New York, Long Island, it was Jones Beach surfboards. You'd go and you'd surf and guys who surf, what do they do? They wax their boards. They polish it. Well, here he's referring to the fact that these guys will polish their evil. They will bring their evil to a bright shine. They will make it attractive. That is so good. So they start out in church, taking many away from the truth. They will only get worse till at last in our lifetimes, they have fully sunk to the lowest level of depravity, immorality, greed, and self. And that's what's going on in the church today, Second Timothy 3, 1 and 2. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Why? For men shall be lovers of their own selves. They shall be covetous. And this is where church man winds up right before the return of our leader, Jesus Christ. But what's more, I've got to point out, church man has fallen further and further and further away from God's truth. I was speaking to somebody the other day. And they've got this picture of Christ coming for a bride. And Revelation 21.9 tells you who the bride is. The bride is New Jerusalem. Get that settled. We are the body of Christ. Yes, I can take you through scripture showing that dozens of times. We are the body of Christ. We're not the bride. You can be the bride, but then you can't be the body. Because if I were to be the bride of Christ... I would have to separate myself because in Jewish history, Jewish tradition, the bride doesn't meet the bridegroom until the wedding. Well, I'm sorry. I've got a deeply personal relationship with my Lord Jesus Christ already. And I know Christ is not an adulterer. I know he's not a fornicator. We are the body of Christ. It's an exalted position. You would have to step down to become the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ in summation is New Jerusalem. It's Jew and Gentile all wrap up together in one in Christ Jesus. At the wedding supper of the Lamb, you and I will be seated as the body of Christ. We're already connected to Christ. Hallelujah. 
So anyway, I say all that because we are falling away from the truths which reveal to us who we are. You know, if you act one way as a bride, you will act differently as the groom. Well, we are attached to the groom already. And this is where we follow the lead of our head. We know we're not going home as a pretty lady. We're going home as a bloodied, battled, beaten, but not defeated members of the body of Christ. We're going home like Jesus went home. We should be dead. We should be hanging on our crosses. We should be engaged in daily battle every day for the souls, not only of ourselves, but for the souls of others. This is where we belong. This is the place of triumph. My greatest triumph isn't on the mountaintop. It's on the cross. And we have to understand that. Don't fall for this other stuff that's going out there, taking you away from your responsibilities. You will go through suffering. You will be persecuted. You will learn to live a life of self-denial and sacrifice. You will be tribulated against. You will be beaten. That is our destiny while we're here on earth. But that's okay. Paul says, the sufferings that I must endure, they are nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to me in Christ Jesus. We love you. We'll be back next week. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.